This is the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. I'm your host, John Rawl. Thank you for tuning us in. And we're going to start off the show with a special report as Hurricane Florence prepares to make landfall in the Carolinas. And the latest from the National Weather Service and forecasters across the south show that the hurricane is expected to hit the North Carolina coast and South Carolina coast simultaneously and make more of a southern dip than what forecasters originally projected. It's going to, according to the forecast models, go sort of through the northern portion of South Carolina, heading straight for Columbia, and then heading straight toward the Greenville, South Carolina area. And because of this southward trek, it will affect Georgia more than was anticipated. It will not be as big of a factor in the northern portions of North Carolina and in Virginia, but it will be a major, major problem in the state of South Carolina. The only area that may not be quite as heavily damaged by this hurricane would be the very low portions of the low country. That would be Jasper counties and Beaufort counties where Hilton Head is and Beaufort, South Carolina is. Charleston will see effects of Hurricane Florence, maybe not as bad as what they're going to see in Myrtle Beach or maybe even in Columbia, two hours inland. But the Palmetto State is going to be hit pretty hard, not only by driving wind, but lots and lots of rain. North Carolina also, of course, is going to be dramatically impacted by this in the eastern portions of North Carolina. And as we're going to hear in a minute, you're going to hear about how the rivers from North Carolina's eastern portion all dump into South Carolina on their way to the Atlantic Ocean. And so those rainfall that's going to happen in the Tar Heel State will end up in South Carolina rivers regardless, and these are going to be areas already inundated with rain falling right there in South Carolina. So a very ugly situation developing later tonight, moving on through Friday and the weekend, and really all the way until middle of next week. This thing's going to be around for several days. And as we said, the forecast models have it hitting right kind of near North Carolina, South Carolina border on the Atlantic coast, moving more into South Carolina, aiming toward Columbia, then Greenville, Spartanburg, heading toward the mountains. And if you look at a map, it actually had it kind of heading straight to Knoxville, Tennessee. So if that were the case, it's going to hit the mountains of western North Carolina. Asheville will be affected by this. And then it'll get into east Tennessee. And you can see where it gets into the mountainous areas kind of stalling and creating lots and lots of problems from a rainfall standpoint, mudslide standpoint. North Georgia will be affected. This, this, is, this is something that's going to be around, as we said, for several days. And we're, we've got our eye on it here on the Y'all Show. On today's Y'all Show, we're going to get into other interesting things going on in the Southland besides Hurricane Florence. We will have news headlines momentarily. We will also tell you about some book festivals in hour two as we've got some events coming up next month as well as in November in the South in Nashville and in Beaufort, South Carolina. Coming up, if you like books, we'll tell you about that. And later in hour two, it's going to be all Mississippi State football talk as Jeremiah Short will be joining us. And he has worked with me for a long time on a show called Bully Bark Line for Mississippi State Bulldog fans. And Jeremiah is 
talking big things about Mississippi State football. They are 2-0 and right now, and they've got a game this weekend against Louisiana Lafayette. And Jeremiah will be on to tell you about that. But more importantly, here in Hour 1, we're going to focus a lot on Hurricane Florence and its impact in the South, mostly in South Carolina. And with South Carolina in mind, I told you on the Wednesday edition of y'all how there is a meteorologist at WIS Television in Columbia, South Carolina, named Tim Miller. He does an unbelievable job on air and even when he's not broadcasting on air, he's still doing an unbelievable job. As for a long time, he kind of has this video blog that he does on Facebook Live. And I happened to see someone share it the other day, and I watched it. And he was doing this from the basement of his house. And he lives about 45 minutes away from the television station. But he was taking the time to alert people about the actual importance of Hurricane Florence possibly coming into South Carolina. And that was Friday of last week. Well, it's coming, and Tim Miller has done a great job of keeping all the South Carolinians and people outside of South Carolina informed of Hurricane Florence and the things people need to be doing to, to stay safe, either to evacuate or to get out of mobile homes or get out of low-lying areas. It just does a fantastic job at WIS Television in the capital city of South Carolina. Well, today, Tim was joined in Columbia by his fellow Raycom broadcaster, Kevin Harded. Kevin is a meteorologist at Wave TV in Louisville, Kentucky, and Kevin made his way to Columbia to kind of help out Tim over this long couple of days. It's going to be happening in South Carolina as this storm is going to be slow. It's going to come in and stall and take its sweet time working its way not only through the Palmetto State, but really getting out of the south and getting out of the entire country. They, they said this could be in the northeast of the U.S. a week from now. So we're, we're going to be dealing with all the after effects of Florence for, for some time. But as we said, Kevin Harned uh, in Louisville going to Columbia to help out his fellow weatherman, Tim Miller. And I'm going to play a conversation they had earlier today talking about Florence. And you'll learn a lot about the storm and really a lot about the impact that it could have. And whether you're in South Carolina or not, I think you'll appreciate this great conversation between these two meteorologists on Facebook Live. That's why it may sound a little bit strange. They weren't even doing this for television. They were doing this just for the, an audience of people on social media to learn more with breaking news that they could tell people to help them feel safe. So we're going to hear first in this clip, you're going to hear Harned talking, and then Tim Miller will do the bulk of the talking as he is the South Carolina-based meteorologist at WIS-TV. And here's that conversation on the Y'all Show. Well, you know, I think this high pressure to the north suppresses it a little further south. I think the model was overdone yesterday, which was sort of corrected in the uh, results that we see mm -hmm. today. So I think we're close enough now that we have a pretty good handle on what is going to happen. I think it does cut across uh, South Carolina, and I think it provides a very lengthy duration of, you know, moderate rain. I think it's... I think we can handle it in most places, but I think we're going to see a tremendous duration of wind and rain. That's my initial gut feeling on the whole thing, and I don't think that's any different than what you've been saying all morning. Yeah, you're exactly right, and, and I think one of the worries has, has been is that it would be so slow that we'd see these 
these huge amounts of rain, right? And you know, we always think, you know, everybody in town has, yeah. has their own weather thing. We go back to the flood and we think, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, 2015, the Matthew deal. The right, exactly, Matthew. Uh, and of course, you know, the Hugo uh, anniversary is coming up, but you're right, it, it's moving very slow, but not that slow, I think, to where we're gonna have these, these ginormous rainfall totals. Yeah, you know, earlier, and this is always the problem with like the armchair meteorologists, right? They, <laughs> they push out the model right. forecast, and you're like, we're gonna measure rain in feet. So, you know, it's like three, four feet of rain possible. Well, that's, you know, now that we're getting closer, you're not seeing any of that kind of data anymore, right. so. And those, and those armchair people are nowhere to be found. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. But, and, but you know what, it, it's, you have to wait until, as we said before, until the storm gets closer, some of the other dynamics come into play before yeah. we can say definitively what's going to happen. Yeah, well, and you're right. And, and that's why it's critical to just take the models as they come in, ingest them both in the computers and in our brains, <laughs> and then decide what information we want to push back out because that's our job, right? right. We get the information in, and then instead of just randomly puking it back out, right. We need to decide, okay, here's what I'm going to push out because this is my forecast. Right. Or, or in terms of what we're doing here, our forecast for today, tomorrow, Sunday, as well, or Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And really that's going to be the critical time, it looks like. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be those Saturday and Sunday as that storm moves through, and that's going to be a big issue. And one of the issues is, is that, you know, if power goes out from wind, you know, the, the crews can't come out and fix it until yeah. the storm's gone. Yeah. So. So many people are on standby. I think that's been the most um, eye-opening thing to me. I mean, obviously, uh, I work at Wave, and I've been there for 20 years, and we don't have hurricanes. Uh, we get affected by tropical systems sometimes that come up through the Gulf. Um, in fact, we did by Gordon just a few weeks ago. But oh, wow, what I was getting at is the response. I mean, in my hotel, it's loaded with Duke Energy folks and really? the American <laughs> Red Cross, and people are on standby. They're waiting to rush in, whether that's to the coast or whether that may happen here in the Midlands, but they're here and they're ready to get everything back to normal again should it be disrupted. And that's I think wonderful. that is such a blessing and, and oh, it really is wonderful. It really is. I mean, you know, they're giving up time from their family and their and their lives to come here and they don't know what they're getting into, right? They yeah. don't know I mean, we, they can assume, but I mean, you know, you never know what you're going to get into with these storms. Right. Wow. I'll jump out of the way. No, you thank finish. you so, so much. I'm, I love it. Kevin, it's just it's so wonderful so kind here. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I'm going to bring them back tomorrow. We'll, uh, we'll talk some more. But uh, quickly, I'll, I want to show you this. And I'm going to start really not showing this that often, unless there's big changes, because it's really, it is, we've seen this a million times, right? We can all pretty much memorize this thing. 110 mile per hour winds, a category two storm moving northwest at 12. It's doing that slowdown that we said that it would as it gets towards the coast. All right, so making landfall in North Carolina, still doing this dip here. Uh, into the stage, and this is what Kevin and I were talking about, it's going to take a, at least the better part of Sunday, maybe into Monday, before it moves on out. And it comes in, tropical storm, but notice low pressure uh, over us. And this is Saturday at 2 o'clock here, uh, Saturday 2 a.m., and Sunday at 2 a.m., it's here. That line should actually be here. So that's a day, right? So that's how slow that's moving. It'll take more than likely another day for it to move on out, and that's where the rain and stuff. All right, so... Um, Models. I'll show you that this is happening to be in there. That's been fairly consistent now in taking it through the state. All right. So at this point, we put all this together, and what do we have? I want to show you. This is a this is a weather model. Uh, and again, as Kevin was saying, models are tools, right? We don't say this is the way it's going to be because remember, I was showing you the European and the GFS and the MOUSE and everything else here with this. 
This particular weather model is uh, it's one that we use here at the, at the station, and it's one that uh, is, is specifically designed for us. You really can't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can ever see, find this online. It's more of a private model, but what it does, it's called mesoscale model, which means it's, it's for obviously a, a limited area, right? And it's also a limited time. So we can only use this, uh, well, we use it every day, right? But you can only go out about like two days at max. Maybe it's two and a half days. Like I think it's 51 hours. But this, this really matches our thinking. This is, this is almost to a T. So I'm going to start this night at 8 o'clock. This is 8 o'clock. Notice, today you're going to start to see these clouds that, that are, you know, the streaks that you typically see. You're going to see the sky looks different because you're going to see, hey, something is out there that's headed our way. Uh, in case in point, we'll start at 8 o'clock. Here comes the storm, right? Getting near Wilmington about 5 o'clock in the morning. We're still getting some clouds. This is Friday at 5. It continues to move on now towards, takes that dip to the south. This is Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Starting to see some showers here. Eastern Midlands were relatively cloudy. It starts to get pretty breezy at this point, right? Here we are into Friday afternoon. Notice from Friday morning to Friday afternoon, it slows down, not moving very much. We have scattered showers here. Here comes some decent rain bands now by about 3 o'clock Friday. Now we're into nighttime Friday into Saturday morning. So, you know, now we've had these waves of rain. Now the storm is over land at this point, all right? So uh, it could still be a tropical storm at this point. I really can't tell by looking at this, right? But it could uh, notice all these bands of rain, right? This is Saturday morning. We'll take it into Saturday morning about 7 o'clock. Now, this thing is smack dab over us, right? Look at these bands of rain. So it's come in here. It's done this, done the southerly trip. Now it's making the turn towards the Midlands. Notice here, I'm trying to get my, my bearings here. Let me get out here. It's fun where we're at. All right, so here's Columbia. Look at these bands of rain, right? This is the heavy rain we're talking about. Here's the other issue. It doesn't go any further than that because it, it, it only goes out 50. Every hour that goes by today, that'll, it'll exponentially move, right? Remember, we take a storm and we cut it like in fourths here. One, two, three, four. The right front quadrant of the storm, this is where all, you notice we have all the red here, right? This is where all the energy is. That's my fear of tornadoes. And, and, and I clearly think we're going to have some tornado activity with this. I can't guarantee that, but it would be... Uh, the MO with these storms is that this is what happens, right? So we've got the circulation here. So the, the worst of the weather will continue to move towards the west. So this is uh, Saturday at 7 a.m. I'm thinking, you know, Sunday at 7 a.m., the storms may be over here. So we're still getting all these bands of rain. However, with this, it's bands of rain. And I was just talking with Kevin. I, I don't see us getting these 20-inch these rainfalls. You know, at, at first we talked, remember I showed you some of these models of things possibly developing. And remember, I, I wanted to show you those. To, to, so you say, look, the possibility is there, right? So I didn't want you to think that, you know, it's going to happen. It's just a possibility. Uh, and I said, you know, as we get closer to this, we'll have a better idea and, and sort of flesh this out here a little bit. Uh, so that would be where we're at for Saturday. So expect... Starting late Friday into Saturday, this will take us into Sunday, and frankly, it could take us into Monday as well. So we're talking a category two storm currently, winds 96 to 110 miles per hour, what it's like. 
will certainly produce extensive damage along the coast. My thinking is, you know, once this comes on land, it, it'll still, it'll take time to die down. Uh, but at least that is uh, uh, encouraging once it gets on land is that it, it, it will die down, but it'll die slow, slow. So I don't want you to think, when we talk about these numbers here, two, three, four, you know, just because we've said it's weakened, uh, don't, don't think that it, it's, it's a done deal here. This is still a very dangerous storm. Even on land, when it continues to further weaken, it's still gonna we're still going to have some issues. Let's talk about a tropical storm force winds, all right? When do we think we can start to start to really start to see the effects of this? Well, here are, this is sort of like, like a timeline here, if you will. Friday morning by about 8, we can see some clearly some gusts of tropical storm force winds, 39 plus miles per hour, right? Obviously, the wind gusts will be a lot more as you head towards the coast, and that'll, it'll, it'll increase rapidly the further east it goes. In other words, tropical storm force winds here at 8, you know, the eastern Midlands can have it very easily, very early Friday morning about 2 o'clock. And this will continue to shift, obviously, right? Uh, we could see, you know, higher gusts with this. There's no doubt about it. Let's talk about rainfall for just a minute. This is, and, and, and we're going to tweak this as we go along, but I just want to generally give you a, an idea here. Um, generally speaking, maybe six to 10 inches, the Eastern Midlands, four to nine for the Central, and three to five as you're heading towards, uh, you know, the upstate, and, you know, maybe McCormick County, Abbeville, uh, and the such. We could see certainly pockets of more rain, right? What's going to be the key here, again, is how slow this storm moves. How slow or how fast. I don't know what would be the correct way of saying it, right? So the speed of the storm as it moves will determine how much rain, right? Because it's going to continue to feed itself. The slower it moves, the more rain we'll get. The faster it moves, the less rain we'll get. But I do not see the, I don't see at this time any of these massive amounts of rain. Now, I will tell you, that's a lot of rain. Some good news though, let me share some good news. One, it's been mighty dry here at home. I mean, for the last couple of weeks, we've had you know barely a drop, right? That's helpful, obviously. We can certainly handle some rain. Uh, even six to 10 inches over three days, that's still a lot of rain. Uh, don't forget, anything that falls in North Carolina is gonna come through the watersheds. I've been talking about that. So those, our rivers are going to swell because of the rain that falls up north and let alone with the rain that falls here. All right, that falls over us. So there's certainly going to be some flooding issues. There's, I think there's going to be some flash flooding issues. So the rain, but with the wind added to this, this is going to be an issue. I mean, there could be a number of trees that just snap. I mean, you know, you get into some of these parts of town here. I mean, these beautiful stately oak trees, hickory trees. I mean, you know, sometimes those, those can down, the pine trees can come down fairly quickly. So this is what we'll have to watch. So know that this is generally speaking, and we'll probably have to tweak this as we go along here. And as we continue our coverage of Hurricane Florence, you heard there from meteorologist Tim Miller of WIS Television in Columbia, South Carolina, and his friend and, and partner at Raycom Media, Kevin Harned. Kevin came to Columbia this week from WAVE Television in Louisville, Kentucky, and those two will be teamed up throughout the weekend. I encourage you to go to WIS-TV on Facebook or Tim Miller at WIS on Facebook. And they'll be doing these special social media, Facebook Live type reports, even when they're not on the air on television. And frankly, there's a very good chance they won't be on television anyway, as with a storm coming, this may 
you know, down the, the broadcast signals in Palmetto State. WIS Television, by the way, has been the longtime leader in South Carolina's news front. They are the NBC affiliate, and for as a person who grew up in Columbia, that's where I was born, they really are the dominant television station in Columbia and most of eastern South Carolina. For a long time, there wasn't an NBC affiliate in places all the way three hours east in Myrtle Beach. So people in Myrtle Beach grew up watching a station in Columbia three hours away with with WIS. So they, they have a huge footprint of coverage in South Carolina. So I respect what they have to say. And this Tim Miller at WIS has done a fantastic job and is really a bright, bright fixture. If, if, if he wants to move on beyond Columbia, I think – I think he's got the talent to do so, but he may be very happy right there in mustard-based barbecue country. But again, go to WIS, WIS Television, just three letters. That's the call. They, they actually have one of the old television stations that in those days when they went on the air in the 50s, they didn't have to have four letters for their call letters. They're WIS, which stands for an original nickname for South Carolina, the wonderful W Iodine State. W-I-S. There you go. Iodine in South Carolina. Who knew? Well, let's let's kind of keep talking Florence for a moment, but let's do it in a little bit different way. Let's, let's bring a little bit of fun into it, if we can, to kind of get away from all the, the depression of what this is going to bring to the Carolinas, Georgia, East Tennessee, and more. I saw this on New York Times on their website, nyt.com or whatever it is. I don't generally go to the New York Times for info, but I, I saw this, and so the reason I'm bringing it up is that it's, if it's New York Times related, then it must be something worth mentioning if it has a southern connection. And according to the New York Times article that's out on the website right now, they have an article about the storm, and they talk about the Waffle House Index. And this is something that actually showed up in a FEMA blog last year, and it looks at data on which diners are closed when a storm like Florence comes through the area. Is the Waffle House closed or open with full or limited menus? And this Waffle House index gives a good sense of how the surrounding neighborhood has fared. And you can go to at Waffle House News on Twitter to learn more about Hurricane Florence and learn about how the Waffle House Index is really playing out. The Waffle House Storm Center is activated and monitoring Florence. Plan ahead, be safe. That comes from at Waffle House News. And sure enough, I I know when Katrina came through, one of the actual, as someone who had been in Biloxi prior to Katrina, one of the measures that people used was, hey, that Waffle House at so-and-so-and-so-and-so is wiped out. This Waffle House, this waffle house here, it's, it's hurt, but it will be back up and going. Or this other Waffle House three miles away, it's fine. They'll be back up and going tomorrow. The Waffle House Index is really a smart way to, to measure just how bad these storms are. Because when they build a Waffle House, they don't put millions and millions of dollars into their structure. They, they build a, a nice building, but let's face it, if a major... Storm surge comes, it'll probably blow it away, unlike maybe a hotel that's built that goes way down into the ground and and will survive but may have a lot of damage. But a Waffle House, it'll be gone 
without too much effort. So I like this and go to at Waffle House News to learn more about the Waffle House Index. And that's a, a unique way to follow Florence moving throughout the Southland. Now, when you talk about the South and music and you talk about the coastal lifestyle, you can't help but think of Jimmy Buffett. Well, Jimmy Buffett was at Folly Beach just outside of Charleston, South Carolina on Wednesday, and he posted a photo of him on the beach at Folly Beach, and it, it had a picture of him between two surfboards, and it had it kind of like one of those postcards. Jimmy's got the hang 10 sign. Looks like he'd been out surfing at Folly Beach, and he put on his Instagram account, quote, I ain't afraid of dying. I got no need to explain. I feel like going surfing in a hurricane. Hashtag Folly Beach Surfing. On a serious note, respect Mother Nature. Please be safe and listen to your local authorities. And that from Jimmy Buffett, who I think mostly lives on Long Island, but somehow found his way to Folly Beach, which is a great place. I went there a lot in my time, and I didn't realize the surfing was that great there, but evidently if Jimmy Buffett, if he goes to Folly Beach, it must be worth checking out. And he looked like he was having a time on a beautiful day on Wednesday at Folly Beach. That's the crazy thing about hurricanes. They will absolutely come in and destroy places, and it'll be so terrible. And then within hours, the sun will be out, and the destruction will be everywhere, but it'll be absolutely beautiful, and it'll be hot and, and really humid. It'll be tough to clean up, but it'll be very sunny after this Florence moves through the area. One of those phenomenons of, of weather, I guess. Now, we want to tell you, I've seen where a couple of NASCAR racetracks have opened up across the south, Talladega as well as Atlanta Motor Speedway. I don't know if Charlotte is open. I wouldn't want to go to Charlotte anyway because that's kind of going to have effects of Florence there in the Queen City. So I know if you're looking for a place, Talladega in East Alabama, the Atlanta Motor Speedway has opened up for evacuees. If you're going to be in East Tennessee, this is kind of a neat thing. The University of Tennessee has a football game against UTEP on Saturday. And the Vols are offering free tickets to a number of people from North and South Carolina. If you show your ID and if you get to the box office at Neyland Stadium in time, you can get a free ticket to Saturday's game between the Vols and the Miners. That's a really neat option that is happening. And a lot of other interesting things, especially in sports going on. Believe it or not, there was a football game played yesterday afternoon at Campbell University, the Campbell Camels and Coastal Carolina. This game was originally supposed to be played at Coastal Carolina near Myrtle Beach, but they moved it to Campbell, which is actually an FCS school, and played it. Coastal Carolina destroyed Campbell in the second half, a game that Coastal actually trailed early in the game. And what happened was after the game was over, Coastal Carolina got on buses, and they traveled all the way to Louisiana because their next game is on the road next weekend at Louisiana Lafayette. And they decided that they would just go ahead and hang out in the Pelican State for about a week. And I'm sure in Louisiana they're going to have a nice welcome there and people will be looking out for them. And, and they'll be very, very grateful to be away from the coast with all the cleanup and stuff going on. But you're going to see more and more of that between teams and cooperation, and we saw more cancellations on 
Wednesday, South Carolina's game against Marshall it was canceled, and that, that won't be made up, it looks like. So maybe they'll have another team step in and, and be an opponent for the Gamecocks later in the season. But more cancellations, I'm sure, to follow. Now with the Storm taking a southward trek, you may see even NFL action in Atlanta. There was a game Sunday scheduled to be played between the Panthers and the Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And that's about the time that Florence may be affecting Georgia. So you could see a change there. Just just stay tuned with your news and other outlets that you use to get your news information. And we'll keep our eye on Hurricane Florence as it makes its landfall. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll take a look at other headlines going on across the region. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. Back into the Y'all Show, talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Raw. We've been talking a lot about Hurricane Florence, as we should, here on this program that covers the Southeast. Well, let me tell you about something else that's affecting the South this weekend weather-wise. It's not getting much attention, and it's a good thing because it looks like this potential problem in the Gulf has lessened, and it won't be as big of a deal as it could have been as a weather disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico is expected to reach the Texas coast later today, tonight, tomorrow is when it's going to be happening, and it's going to be in the very south portion of Texas, down around Brownsville is where the National Hurricane Center expects this disturbance. Luckily, it didn't develop into a major storm, 
So it will be some some weather effects that people will feel in South Texas, but luckily it has not formed in the way that a hurricane or a major tropical storm could have formed, and the development chances dropped to 50 percent as of seven o'clock this morning that this would be a tropical storm. So good news there. Uh, this disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico not affecting the Lone Star State in the way that it could have. More good news, sort of, in our nation's capital area, Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. Crime is down in the D.C. metro region for the fifth year in a row. Now, not all areas are seeing this. Montgomery County, Maryland, there were eight more homicides in 2017 versus 2016 and rape increased by 20% in Montgomery County, Maryland. But other areas are seeing positive effects. Fairfax County, Virginia saw 20 homicides in, in 2017. That was only one more than the year before. And these are areas that are growing and a lot of people moving in and a very thriving area in our nation's capital area. But overall, crime down in the D.C. metro region. And that's good news. They don't have as much there as, let's say, a Chicago or Memphis even has become in the headlines for lots and lots of crime and deaths and stuff. It happens in all of our, our major cities. We even told you about Nashville recently having a string of murders going on. So in our nation's capital, at least, perhaps things are getting a little better. But still, no senseless crime is, is, should happen anytime, anywhere, but as we know, it happens. Louisville, Kentucky, we told you earlier this week that a high school there, Central High School, had a football game against Ballard High School, and some Ballard High School students passed around a watermelon in the stands, and it was a little bit uncomfortable, as some people saw it was racially insensitive, as Central High School is predominantly black, Ballard is predominantly white. Well, on Wednesday of this week, yeah, Wednesday of this week, the volleyball team for Ballard High School played at Central High School in Louisville, and they decided to instead pass around some kind of big fruit like a watermelon. They decided to pass around yellow roses to their opponents at Louisville Central High School, and this was in response to the watermelon incident. And the folks at Central tweeted that Ballard's move was great sportsmanship. I wonder who won the game. I don't have the results of the volleyball match between Ballard and Central, but yeah, they countered some bad press at Ballard by bringing yellow roses, the ultimate peace sign, I guess. Oviedo, Florida, a man there, well, he's in trouble because the police say he crashed a Porsche, his own Porsche, I hope, into 18 parked cars. According to a witness, Brendan Spaulding, a 42-year-old man, hit the cars and then turned around and hit them again. Police think he was drunk. Yet, you, you, you think? Yeah, a witness saw him hit the cars as he drove down the sidewalk. But he was driving a Porsche, and he wrecked into 18 parked cars. And I think he may have even done this in the broad daylight. What an idiot in Oviedo, Florida. That's what alcohol will do to you if, indeed, Mr. Spaulding had been under the influence. And I would probably take a wild guess that he was, okay? I'm just going to throw that out there.
West Virginia and Mississippi, they're in the news for not the best of reason. West Virginia is ranked highest in the country for adult obesity. And Mississippi, well, the Magnolia State's right behind them. West Virginia ranked highest in the country at 38%, while Mississippi is 35%. And this is Mississippi and West Virginia, one of seven states where adult obesity rates exceed 35% of the population. That's the percentage there. So 38% of West Virginians are obese, 35 Mississippi. Who's the lowest, you ask? Well, it's Rocky Mountain High, Colorado, where only 23% of Colorado residents are considered obese. So maybe they've got something going there with their wacky grass out there making people eat less, perhaps, or exercise more. I don't know, but not good if you're a West Virginian or a Mississippian. And I'm sure many other southern states are right there near West Virginia and Mississippi on the obesity rate. Those findings coming out earlier this week from the Nonpartisan Trust for America's Health and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Mississippi's problem is most acute in people aged 45 to 64, with an obesity rate in those ages reaching 42%. The report shows disparities by race, with about 45% of black adults in Mississippi considered obese, compared to 30% of white adults. In Little Rock, Arkansas, officials say scientists have identified the remains of a sailor from Arkansas who was killed at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, the start of World War II, as Navy water tender second class Clarence M. Lockwood has now been positively identified. He was born in Smithton, Arkansas, and was 21 years old when he died at Pearl Harbor aboard the battleship USS Oklahoma. 429 crew members of the Oklahoma died on December 7, 1941. So that's, that's a sad but good story as sailor Clarence M. Lockwood's remains now positively identified after being right there at Pearl Harbor all these decades. And now this Arkansas sailor has been identified. I wonder if they're going to bring his remains back to the natural state. We've got more headlines right around the bend. When we come back, we'll tell you about a $30 million lawsuit that was filed this week over the statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest, Confederate hero. That's ahead on The Y'all Show. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Every year, thousands overpay for a used car. They're left feeling disappointed, ashamed, and alone. Traditional pricing books only add to the confusion, offering only guesstimates and ranges. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Hey, Dad, want to shoot some hoops? 
In a bit, buddy. I promise. Allegra knows that allergy symptoms can get in the way of enjoying the moment. I'll just play by myself. For outdoor and indoor allergies, get Allegra. It's the fastest non-drowsy allergy relief. It starts working in one hour, helping you break through your worst allergy symptoms with continuous 24-hour relief. Yes! Great shot, buddy. Let's play another game. You're on, Dad. Get Allegra and get back to the moment. Among single-ingredient OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use as directed. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. I'm just an old jukebox junkie Spending my time, spending my money Feeding this habit with hardcore country I'm just an old jukebox junkie I can't stand it here, music stop I keep dropping my quarters in the slot I play every song from A to Z I'm just an old jukebox junkie Back into the Y'all Show with John Rawl. We've got Mississippi State football talk coming up in hour two. Jeremiah Short will be by to get you ready for Bulldog football as the dogs are 2-0, and and they have the Raging Cajuns coming into Davis Wade Stadium this week. Also, in hour two, we'll tell you about a couple of book festivals going on in October and November in the South that you don't want to miss. So all that is ahead, books and gridiron talk. Right now, we continue our news from across the Southland. And in Memphis, Tennessee, relatives of Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest have filed a lawsuit, and they seek $30 million from the city of Memphis because the city of Memphis has essentially stolen General Forrest's statue. As this statue was in downtown Memphis, right next to Sun Records, right next to the hospitals in downtown Memphis, and the statue and the graves of General Forrest and his wife are right there at this park that was originally called Nathan Bedford Forrest Park in Memphis. Well, the city found a way to get around state law, and they sold the property to a nonprofit group for $1,000. It's an entire city block. They sold it last year to this group, and now descendants of General Forrest are suing the city for the remains from a park and settle a lawsuit over the takedown of the statue. A letter filed in the Nashville court on Tuesday said forest relatives believe it would cost nearly $6 million to remove, transport, and rebury the remains of General Forrest and his wife. They're seeking another $25 million to take possession of the statue and settle the lawsuit, which is under appeal. A spokeswoman for the city of Memphis said, that it is an outlandish demand, and they've made it about money. More to come on this. This has been going on really for a long time, but the descendants of General Forrest and the Sons of Confederate Veterans aren't happy, and they're going to go on the offensive here about the statue in Memphis, Tennessee. Frontier Airlines has announced they're adding a nonstop flight between Little Rock, Arkansas, and the Orlando International Airport. This route will be offered on Mondays and Fridays on an Airbus A320, which seats 186 passengers. So if you're looking to get to 
Mickey Mouse World from Arkansas, well, you've got a much easier way and faster way to get there to get to the Orlando International Airport from the Bill and Hillary Clinton National Airport. <laughs> what a name. Also, let's talk about some other news about Walt Disney World in Florida. You may remember a few years ago, a two-year-old boy was killed by an alligator at Walt Disney World. Well, here is a good story. His parents, the parents of Lane Thomas, who was two years old in 2016 when he was killed on a vacation at Disney, his parents gave birth this week to another child. They announced the birth of Christian Lane Graves, born to Matt and Melissa Graves, of Nebraska and that is a good story there just a terrible thing when that happened and good to know that the graves have a another little little one around, running around Cobb County Georgia built SunTrust Park for the Atlanta Braves now they've been in some skirmishes over money since the ballpark opened which I got to see firsthand two weeks ago when they the Braves hosted the Pirates well, they have now settled a dispute with the Braves over the park. A 4-1 to one vote comes after a contentious meeting with the Cobb County commissioners this week in which two commissioners voiced concerns over transparency. In the agreement, the Atlanta Braves agreed to pay Cobb County nearly $1.5 million of a system development fee that pertains to water and sewage capacity at Sun Trust Park. Cobb County will reimburse the Braves for project management costs and ultimately, the Braves will pay Cobb County more than $1.36 million. It's a beautiful place. I know Cobb County was proactive in getting the Braves to get out of Atlanta to come north about 15 miles to, to where this ballpark is located in Cobb County, not Fulton County. And I know there's taxpayers in Cobb County are not happy. I know one guy who's a huge sports fan that lives in Cobb County, and he doesn't like the Braves anymore. Because guess what? He's having to foot the bill as a Cobb County resident for SunTrust Park. I can kind of feel his pain. But if you don't live in Cobb County, woo, what a great place. <laughs> and, and if you don't even live in Georgia like I do, I used to, but I don't anymore, it's a nice outing. And thank you, Cobb County, for building such a nice ballpark for Braves fans. Another Atlanta sports venue was torn down last year. And now it has found new life as it opened this week, the Home Depot Backyard. And this is on the site of the Georgia Dome. Remember, they blew up the Georgia Dome last fall, I think it was. And they put the, it might have even been this spring. I forgot when they tore it down. They, they built Mercedes-Benz Stadium right next to it. Well, the area where the Georgia Dome was has now turned into a big green space. It's a 11-acre multi-purpose green space. And you can go there and tailgate, and it's got all kinds of fun areas for you to hang out. I guess they're trying to make it kind of like the Grove at the University of Mississippi. But it's right there in downtown Atlanta next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it will be a tailgating space for fans. If you want to make plans to go to Atlanta, you've got a beautiful spot. In a big city, you got 11 acres of green grass and trees and flowers and a, a nice, nice setting there in the ATL. Good story from Jackson, Missouri, which is near Cape Girardeau in southeast Missouri. A woman there celebrated her 100th birthday this week, Geraldine Barks. And as a special gift, the Jackson, Missouri Fire Department gave her a ride on one of their fire trucks, and she was thrilled to have that. So congratulations, Miss Barks, for your 
birthday and for the ride. And she celebrated her 100th birthday with her sisters. Get this. She's got three sisters. Their ages, 95, 90. And she's got a real, real baby sister. Her baby sister is a spry 81 years old. She says she's looking forward to what waits for her 110th birthday. Geraldine Barks in Jackson, Missouri. Congratulations on your century mark. And that's a look at headlines from across the Southland here. As we have told you lots about Hurricane Florence and more. And keep in mind all our residents in the South who will be directly impacted by this tropical disturbance and storm and all the stuff that comes out of it. When we come back in hour two, we'll talk books and we'll talk Mississippi State Bulldog sports. Get that cowbell a-going. We'll be right back with more of the Y'all Show with your host, General John Rawl. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kid stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick, Miss Lydia. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. The Y'all Show with John Rawl, back for another hour here on this Thursday. Glad you could join us here. And, of course, if you're listening anywhere in an area that Hurricane Florence could be impacting, our thoughts are with you. And, honestly, that's about half the South that this hurricane could have some kind of impact. So we we all have to either deal with this directly or indirectly, but we wish all of us who have to to deal with this the best and our prayers go out to have this be as painless as possible this is the y'all show where we talk all thing southern each and every day two hours of southern goodness in a little bit on the show an old friend of mine jeremiah short is going to be joining us to talk mississippi state bulldog football msu is off to a two and oh start they had an impressive win in the Little Apple of Manhattan, Kansas this past week. They went to K-State and won convincingly. And this is a team that's got a pseudo-cupcake this weekend with Louisiana Lafayette coming to Davis-Wade Stadium. But the heat gets turned up when they get into SEC play next week at Kentucky. And then they back that up against the Florida Gators in Starkville. And that's where they'll face off against their former head football coach, Dan Mullen, who left Starkville at the end of 2017 to go be the Gators' front man. And now he returns 
to maroon and white euphoria. <laughs> I'm trying to find the best word to explain what's going on, and especially when Mullen comes back with the Gators. That'll be the last Saturday in September, I think, is that game at Davis Wade Stadium. But Jeremiah Short, he's coming on, and he helped uh, for several years help me co-host the Bully Barkline show with Gene's page. And he works, did a great job, and he's worked with me a long time. And I'm looking forward to bringing my old friend Jeremiah back on the show to talk Mississippi State football, something he loves very dearly and something that he knows a lot about and is very knowledgeable on the bullies. So we'll have Jeremiah coming on to talk MSU and some SEC football too before we wrap up this final hour of our Thursday, y'all. Now, here on the program, periodically we throw in what we call by the book, B-U-Y, by the book, where you can focus on some books out there and what all's going on with Southern writers and the literary scene across the South. Well, this week, since we didn't really have a festive South, as much of the South's not in a very festive mood right now with the hurricane coming and canceling a lot of things and weekend festivals across the South are being impacted, what few there are, some of them are being dramatically changed because of Hurricane Florence. Well, with the spirit of travel in mind, but let's put it off for a few weeks, I wanted to tell you about some events coming very soon to the South that if you like books, you might want to put on your calendar and you might want to make an effort to go to two places, two places that I love very much. One, Nashville, Tennessee, and the other place, Beaufort, South Carolina. Both have book festivals and literary festivals coming up real soon. So go ahead, if you love books and you want to hang out with authors and learn, include these on your plans as we get ready to tell you all about them. First off, coming up very soon, it's the 29th Annual Southern Festival of Books. That takes place in downtown Nashville at Legislative Plaza. This happens October 14th through the 16th. It's Friday, October 14th through Sunday, the 16th of October. Mid-October, go to Nashville Enjoy the Southern Festival of Books and get to hear all about books across the region and attend places like the Nashville Public Library and War Memorial Auditorium there right near the state capitol in downtown Nashville. Nashville is a great place to be anytime, but when you combine the music scene with the food scene with books, mid-October, Music City becomes Book City, and it ought to be a lot of fun if you can make it to the Southern Festival of Books. Now, to give you a sneak peek, and you can go to humanitiestennessee.org to learn much more about this festival. If you have to travel, they can give you some ideas on hotel recommendations throughout Middle Tennessee. But if you're able to go in mid-October to Nashville, to Legislative Plaza, to attend this Festival of Books, I don't have the exact count. There's just too many here. But easily 100-plus authors will be in attendance and appearing at this celebration of the written word. Now, I'm going to kind of rattle off a couple of names. Some of these things could mean a lot to you. Some may not mean anything. The first, they're going in alphabetical order. The first author, I actually know. He used to kind of sort of be my boss. Tom Atkinson has a book called 100 Things to Do in Nashville Before You Die. <laughs> and if you haven't been to Nashville and you're not dead, then you need to check Tom Atkinson's book out and read it and enjoy learning all about Nashville. And he's one of the featured authors at this Southern Festival of Books. 
Tom worked for a long time for Gaylord Entertainment, the company that owned Opryland USA, and that was the theme park and the Opryland Hotel. And I worked with him when I was with the Nashville Network and CMT, Country Music Television. He was an executive with Gaylord, and he's moved on to other gigs in Music City, but I didn't realize he was an author. So the first first book by Tom Atkinson that we can promote here on the show. Also, James A. Autry, author of Mississippi, Nights Under a Tin Roof, and Life After Mississippi. He'll be one of the authors present in Nashville in mid-October. Kelly J. Beard, An Imperfect Rapture. That's one of Kelly J. Beard's books that you can check out. David W. Blight wrote the book Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. Now, some of these names may not be all that big name to you, but some some may be rather recognizable name. Here's an author that'll be in Nashville, Rick Bragg, who wrote All Over But the Shoutin'. His latest book, The Best Cook in the World, Tales from My Mama's Table. He'll be in Music City in mid-October for the Southern Festival of Books. Kevin Brown, author of Bringing the Kingdom, he'll be there. And scrolling down, looking for some more names that might be recognizable to any of you in the book world. Uh, Mark Deutschman, author of One Mile Radius, will be available and uh, signing books. All of them are going to be selling books, so you might want to bring a lot of money when you come to Nashville for this event in mid-October. Phyllis Gabble, The Treachery in Tuscany, book that's out there right now that you can check out. Ryan Guth, Home Truths, author of that. You also have Monica Hess, The War Outside, author of that book. She'll be in Nashville. Scrolling down, looking for more. Again, there's so many authors here, it's kind of hard to keep track of it all. You have Inman Majors. He'll be there. Inman was a recent guest on our show. He's Johnny Majors' nephew, if you're a Tennessee Vols fan. His latest book is Penelope Lemon, Game On, and he'll be in Nashville. Bobby Ann Mason, she's had some great success. Her book, Patchwork, A Bobby Ann Mason Reader, is the latest one out there that you can meet Bobby Ann Mason and maybe get a book signed and have a good time in Nashville, Tennessee in mid-October. Like we said, a three-day event where people can go check out great writers and great Southern books. Hey, our friend Niles Reddick will be there. Niles' latest book, Reading the Coffee Grounds, and he'll be there in Nashville Niles helped me co-host the Y'all Show just a few weeks back, and a fun guy. We'll have to get him back on the show and get his take on the festival this year in Nashville, Tennessee. I've seen this thing on C-SPAN before, this book festival in Music City, and it's very well attended. I would say it's the granddaddy of all book festivals in the South. If for no other reason, it's called Southern Festival of Books. So that gives you a, a big perspective. Now, these books come in all types of varieties. Susan Wood will be there. Her book is called Elizabeth Warren, Nevertheless, She Persisted, is the name of that book. And if I mentioned the first book listed, we got to promote the last author based on alphabetical order that will be amongst the 100-plus authors in Nashville. Give it up to Paul Zelensky, author of All of a Kind Family Hanukkah. <laughs> See, I told you, they got books of all shapes and sizes at the Southern Festival of Books, October 12th through 14th, Legislative Plaza, Nashville, Tennessee. Again, the website you can go to to learn a whole lot more about this is humanitiestennessee.org. 
some of the great sponsors that they have that are making this a reality where people can go learn about books, meet authors, and get perfect stocking stuffers. Believe it or not, Christmas will be here before you know it, and this festival will give you a chance to, to be a real hero at the holiday season. Now that is coming up in Nashville. As we mentioned, there's another literary festival to go to, and that'll be on into November, the first couple of days of November, November 1st through 4th, in Beaufort, South Carolina. It's the Pat Conroy Literary Festival going on. This is the third year of the Pat Conroy Literary Festival. I knew Pat Conroy. Pat Conroy, a major best-selling author, a fellow Citadel graduate who died several years ago of pancreatic cancer, but his books like Beach Music and Prince of Tides, many of these books like The Great Santini turned into movies, The Water is Wide, The Lord's a Discipline, About the Citadel. It, he, just, he was a great writer, and his wife Cassandra King is also a writer, and I, I assume she's the one that kind of helped make this literary festival a reality in Beaufort, which is an incredible place in South Carolina. That's Pat Conroy's hometown, although in his last years he lived out at Fripp Island, which is in Beaufort County. But they have this festival in Beaufort in early November, the Pat Conroy Literary Festival. And our friend Niles Reddick will be one of the attendees of this year's festival. So I don't have the complete schedule of authors for that, but you can go to patconroyliteraryfestival.org and see the schedule, presenters, sponsors, get ticket info and more. I need to book my trip right now to Beaufort. In fact, I'm going to be down in the Low Country that same couple of days. And I can mix in this event there in Beaufort, right there on the on the harbor. What an awesome city. And they have the Pat Conroy Literary Festival. Good thing that they started that. And we want to promote that for that festival and the Southern Festival of books in Nashville. And I know if you're in other parts of the South, you may have festivals for books and such. Please let me know. Some of those are in the springtime. We'll be happy to promote it. We'll be happy to get these authors on. But we want to kind of give you a blast out of these two events coming up not too far down the road so that if you are a lover of books, you can make your plans to get to Nashville or to Beaufort. And the good news is Southwest Airlines flies direct between Nashville and Charleston and a short hour and a half ride from Charleston, you'll be in this lovely town of Beaufort. Well, we'll put book talk on hold when we come back. Jeremiah Short lives by the book, but it's the book of Mississippi State sports. And Jeremiah is going to get us ready for Mississippi State's great start to the 2018 season. He's up next talking all things dogs. We'll be right back with the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawls. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. 
Moving expenses? There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. The great sound of the famous maroon band from Mississippi State University. Welcome back to the Y'all Show. I'm your host, John Rawl. And, yeah, how about those dogs? Get your cowbells out if you're a Bulldog fan. And if you're not a Bulldog fan, you better go find you a cowbell because MSU is looking real good on the gridiron right now. At 2-0, big win this past weekend at Kansas State. And a coaching change may have happened, but – I'm not sure Mississippi State might be better off than the University of Florida right now. Hey, we're talking SEC sports here on this Thursday edition. We've got Jeremiah Short, not Jerry Short, who comes on Monday, but we got Jeremiah Short, and Jeremiah is a Mississippi State eh, aficionado is, I guess, a good word, using I've known Jeremiah a long time, and he helped for many years on the Mississippi State show Bully Barkline, which we had syndicated across the South. And Jeremiah is joining us right now to talk Mississippi State football and more. Hello, Jeremiah. Hey, man. How you doing, John? Oh, man. It's uh, good to touch base with you. It's been too many years. But I've been waiting for Mississippi State to go 2-0 and before we'd have you on. And by golly, they're 2-0, and Jeremiah. <laughs> well, a couple of different years. You probably could have called me in the past couple of years. We were, you know, competing for a national championship one year, yeah. even though we couldn't finish it out. Yeah. It's been a great run now. I was kind of poking fun at Florida, and I was really poking fun at Dan Mullen, former Mississippi right. State coach, by saying that uh, Mississippi State's 2-0 and and Florida is 1-1. One and one. But, uh, golly, we're going to talk some SEC stuff with you after we talk Mississippi State with you, Jeremiah. So I do want to get your take on the Gators and, and what Coach Mullen may or may not do in the swamp. But how about Coach Moorhead and his first year coaching in the SEC, first year at Mississippi State, and he's got this team off to a 2-0 and start. Not of course, not that surprising they'd win week one against Stephen F. Austin from Texas coming over to Starkville, but going to Manhattan, Kansas, and pulling out a victory in the Little Apple and looking very convincing in that victory. Well, you know, oddly enough, I was telling, I guess, 
I guess uh, hello everybody first. Yeah. But Hi, how I you doing? Telling, yeah, telling everybody uh like after I watched the game, I don't even think Mississippi State played that great of a game. Really? And they still won thirty nine to ten. Uh, and then not me being a homer, I just saw like of course with the accuracy of Nick Fitzgerald, and it was a couple other areas where I was looking at. It's like yeah, we probably could do a little bit better. Um, mainly the passing game, I feel like we could do a lot better. So I don't feel like the, the first game, of course, we played SFA, and we're, it, we looked very explosive on yeah. offense. Uh, on Saturday, it just never looked right. It just never did. We scored 31 points, but it didn't look like a impressive 31 points, even though it was against a power five opponent. So it's not me saying, like, oh, man, if we get it clicking, we're going to beat Alabama with this team, this team, because there are teams that say that and that never happens throughout the whole season. So my question now, um, and I know we were talking about it a little bit before we went on air, talking about with Nick Fitzgerald. My question is, like, is he the guy? Because Based on that game, I just didn't see the offense looking as explosive as it did in the first game. And I'm kind of starting to wonder uh, how much longer do we give him before we give Keaton Thompson a shot? Because as much as we love this Fitzgerald and he was a guy that people are, you know, for some reason hyping up for the highs. And even I was like never really just uh, a person on that train. But my thing is he's been the quarterback for the last two years and his accuracy has been suspect the last two years, even though he's a great runner. He does a great runner. He's younger, and he throws about the same percentage right now. So my thing is, is it smarter to get just go with the younger guy who's healthier? Because this Fitzgerald didn't look as healthy in that game, even though some have said that he did. did. But when I was watching the game, I didn't see it. Like yeah. I, I didn't see, I didn't see healthy because uh, he didn't look as fast, um, didn't look as confident. Like I, I just don't see it. Now I give him one more game, but for a team that people are hoping to potentially be a dark horse national uh, title contender, which It'll take a while. We got so many more big games before we really can say if we're that type of team. Because truth be told, no matter what any MSU fans feels about it, we have never done it. Well, so it's like you wanted ahead, you wanted Thompson to get some some snaps. Well, he got a, a shot in the first game of the year because the quarterback Fitzgerald was suspended for that first game, and Thompson came in and helped lead the Bulldogs to a rather close 63-6 to victory over Stephen F. Austin. So he had yes. a, a very good – now, was Thompson the one that came in in the Egg Bowl last year and had to help Mississippi State along after Fitzgerald yes, got hurt in that game? Yes. And that was like the most play he saw all last year, right? It came in a couple times um, in, in different series, like to run the ball. So he, he's done so in different game. Got a few reps here and there because he was really our only backup quarterback. So he got a few reps, but it was just sparingly every once in a while. Okay, um, just to bring him in there. Yeah. Well, again, he was skippering this team in the first game of the year, and then and then Fitzgerald came back and took over at the Kansas State game. And you have issues with the throwing arm now. Jeremiah, I, re I think people should pay attention to you because I'm going to go back several years here. <laughs> Weren't you causing quite a stir amongst Mississippi State fans whenever – were you the one pushing for Dak Prescott to become the quarterback at Mississippi State? Yeah, uh, this doesn't mean that's ever being arrogant, but I've never been wrong when it came to an MSU quarterback situation. Yeah. Um, well, for years, I've pressed for certain quarterbacks. Uh, I have a friend uh, who used to play on the team. We used to actually argue over Tyson Lee. And West Carroll, years, that's even a little bit before that. But, of course, I was never the biggest Tyler Russell fan. And even one of my former, uh, I guess, co-hosts, uh, me and Gene, actually had a disagreement or two over the Tyler <laughs> Russell one. And, uh, uh, many disagreements over that. But that's one I think I ended up uh, 
being correct on, and, but and I definitely was pushing for Dak. I didn't I didn't push for probably his freshman year because Dak probably wasn't ready then at that point. But at, early on, I knew he would eventually be the guy and be a special player, and he turned out to be that way. My only problem is, and probably the difference between a Coach Mullen and a and a and a, and a Joe Moorhead is that Coach Mullen never just pulled the trigger and said Dak was our starter as a redshirt sophomore, but Dak was figuratively. The, the starter, the the man on the team. So uh, I definitely was pushing for that because I feel the team was moving that way. And Dak, of course, turned out to be a special player and possibly the greatest football player in the history of Mississippi State football. And possibly, it's hard, I won't call him the greatest player in the history of Mississippi State athletics, but he's definitely in the top three or four. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, whenever he was fighting for the job to be a quarterback for MSU, who was he fighting against? Who was the other quarterback? Tyler Russell. Tyler Russell, Okay. <laughs> Yes. Well, you were right on that, and you might be right on pushing for Katon Thompson to take over as the quarterback for Mississippi State. But right now, give both quarterbacks credit. They both led this team to a victory early in 2018. And, again, it can't be understated how big a win that was at K-State. This was yes. on the road. This was in Manhattan in the Little Apple, and they win 31-10 to in a game that I really thought was – a toss-up that I, I really thought Mississippi State just probably wasn't going to be able to handle such a, a weird environment. But, boy, did they, uh -huh. they show everybody that they possibly could be a real force in 2018. Now the Bulldogs have Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Louisiana Lafayette, <laughs> coming in to Starkville. And I'm excited. You know why? I don't think the Hurricanes going to have anything to do with this one. This game actually might get played Saturday. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it just as far as just this would be my more of an evaluation game for me because I would say like as a Mississippi State fan, we could be a little arrogant, but in games like this, this is one you know you're, it's a chalk win, you know you're gonna win. But I'm gonna really be watching our Fitzgerald plays this game. Like that's really my big thing for this game. There's some other things maybe we can fine tune, but I think in a sense right now we know we have we know we have a dominant defensive line, possibly the best defensive line. So I'm upset in the SEC, possibly in the nation. Uh, maybe we'll hold off on the nation part, but as far as like <laughs> we know, we know what we have. But if you have the best D line in SEC, I think I'll take that. I mean, because the SEC is the most dominant conference in college football. Yeah. So we know what we have on the defensive side of the football, especially that front seven. We know what we have there, so I don't think that's really going to change and lose in a lot yet. But it's still a lot of guys on the offensive side of the football, especially with Joe Moorhead still trying to implement the system. It's uh, still a game where a lot of guys have to prove um, who they are because the, the offense is still getting there. We have. A new starting running back, new starting receivers, new starting tight end, uh, and breaking in a few linemen. So it's still some things really to work out before we kind of get to the meat of the schedule. We go Kentucky, Florida, Texas A&M, LSU. It's some, some heavy hitters coming. So uh, we really had to kind of prepare ourselves for those games. In case you want to go to Walmart and try to find a pair of maroon and white sunglasses, they are all consumed and are owned by our guest, Jeremiah Short. He is got those maroon and white shades on, and he's giving us the full-throttle analysis of Mississippi State football, and we couldn't be happier because that's exactly what we're looking for on the Y'all Show. However, Jeremiah, you just might have given some locker room material to the Raging Cajuns because you pretty much <laughs> said that they're going to win this game, Mississippi State, that is. I hope things really going to make a difference, but okay. <laughs> well, well, there's I might that. be shocked. If it happens, then I don't know, but I, I doubt it. Well, if they pull off the victory, which I don't think they will, but let's say they do, then Mississippi State fans are going to come after you for inspiring the Raging Cajuns now. <laughs> I, I, I've had it happen before. I've had a whole message board post written about me, and 
people threatened uh, sending um, letters to athletic department and stuff like that. So it's nothing to me. So yeah. Now there is a funny thing. I don't think you're going to be the the inspiration behind this game, but oddly enough, one of the coaches for Mississippi State is the former head coach of Louisiana Lafayette. How about that? The head coach last year, actually, before they showed him the door, and now he's coaching the Raging Cajuns. That's uh, Mark Huskins. Who, I think, got a degree from Mississippi State, so he's back at his alma mater, I think. Oh, he's a bulldog. Yeah, he's a bulldog, but he, he went down to Louisiana Lafayette, was there about seven or eight years, led him to a couple of bowls, but I guess they weren't happy with the way things were going, and they, they showed him the door. So he'll be on the opposite sideline of the visitors this weekend wearing his mm-hmm. maroon and white, and so Hudspeth coaching against his former team this weekend. We're talking with right. Jeremiah Short here on the program. We're going to go to a break. We'll continue talking the little maroon and white Mississippi State. Go Bulldogs when we come back, and we're going to get Jeremiah's take on everything else going on in the SEC as we roll on with a Thursday edition of Y'all Talk with a maroon and white accent. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Every year, thousands overpay for a used car. They're left feeling disappointed, ashamed, and alone. Traditional pricing books only add to the confusion, offering only guesstimates and ranges. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report. So you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. Hey, Dad, want to shoot some hoops? In a bit, buddy. I promise. Allegra knows that allergy symptoms can get in the way of enjoying the moment. I'll just play by myself. For outdoor and indoor allergies, get Allegra. It's the fastest non-drowsy allergy relief. It starts working in one hour, helping you break through your worst allergy symptoms with continuous 24-hour relief. Yes! Great shot, buddy. Let's play another game. You're on, Dad. Get Allegra and get back to the moment. Among single-ingredient OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use as directed. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1313 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1313. And welcome back to y'all. More sounds from Mississippi State University. 
and the Bulldogs in Starkville, Mississippi, a great southern environment. If you haven't been to a game, I encourage you to go check out all the fun at Davis Wade Stadium. A lot of excitement about Mississippi State football right now. We've got Jeremiah Short joining us here, and he's covered the Bulldogs for a number of years on our Bully Barkline show that our CRM Sports does, and he's been a friend of mine and just been fun to, to be with him through the years and prognosticate how Mississippi State has done and will do. And the dog's sitting undefeated right now, 2-0 and on the season. Now, Jeremiah, I've got to ask you, going into the season, I kept hearing how Mississippi State was going to be not Alabama good, but not far off from there. And they started the season ranked, which was a little bit surprising after a coaching change and all that. So this isn't totally unexpected that the dogs do right. this good, but did you know that they could maybe be where they are right now? Yeah, my main reason probably was because of that defensive line that we have. Okay. I mean, when you got the ability in the trenches, uh, the players in the trenches that we have, especially on, on the offensive and defensive side of the football with the offensive line, and returning a lot of starters. But I do know when you come and bring in a new coach, it's going to be a transition. Um, so you don't know how players are going to, you know, jive with that and how that's going to work. And it's already kind of caused some issues, um, maybe with our running back position right now. But I think the change was a good one in a way. Like Joe Moore is actually probably more of a fit for Mississippi State. And then I think he kind of brought in a perspective where I always felt Dan Mullen – like, he was a guy that held, in a sense, a high standard, and he got Mississippi State to a certain level, but we might have plateaued under him because even though he might have skewed that he wanted us to be a great football team, I don't know if he ever believed in his players the way that uh, Joe Moorhead is coming in and doing, already pushing a championship standard. I mean, he's saying Mississippi State is going to start competing for national championships, and you can listen to the coach and, and feel he believes it. Like, I think it's just brought a different level. Somebody now that I'm a teacher myself, and I know if you set high expectations, people will meet them. I feel like that's what Joe Moorhead has done with Mississippi State. He set high expectations so you can go into a Kansas State at a game like that and where I really don't feel like the team was clicking on all cylinders and you still win. And it, it just seems normal. Um, before, it still was that always, I called it the we Mississippi State syndrome. It was like you go against these teams and you get these we believes and all this type of stuff. And people, you go against the Alabama and you still feel like the underdog instead of going there with it's not that you hope to win, you expect to win. And I think that's what Joe Moorhead has brought. brought. The talent was there. I'm still trying to figure out why Dan Mullen left in the first place. Maybe it's something I didn't know. But I was like, I've never seen a coach leave a team like this with this many returning players with a senior quarterback and the, the talent that we have, and he just leave. If I'm going to go Moorhead, I'm like, man, yeah, you're a fool as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and leave me with a team like this with a potential guy that's just like Saquon Barkley, a senior quarterback, and the best D-line in the SEC? Like, how many coaches walk into that situation? Yeah. And if Alabama weren't in the same division, I, I really feel like Mississippi State would definitely yes. be competing for SEC West and a, a berth in Atlanta. And who knows? They might pull off the upset. It's not surprising if they beat Alabama every five, ten years. That, that happened <laughs> twice back in the 2000s before Saban got there. They won in Tuscaloosa and in Starkville. And, and of course, they, they're the team that beat number one Alabama in 1981 or something like that. So this is a program, of course, that has a potential. But leaving Alabama out of the equation, how does Mississippi stack up in Mississippi State stack up against the rest of the West teams, the other five programs in, the, in that side of the bracket? I do feel like right now I would put us behind Alabama. Uh, but yeah. it, a lot of it hinges on Nick Fitzgerald. Because uh, I, I do think – 
it is to the point where we separated ourselves so far from those teams where they just can't beat us. It's not like that. I think Mr. State fans would be a little delusional thinking like that. Um, you got Texas a and They got a good team with Kelly Bunn. You think Ole they're Miss good? With Jordan Tamu, uh, you have LSU. I think State's stronger than them. I just don't. I, I just don't see it. Like I think they're that type of good. I think Mississippi State can beat them regardless who's that quarterback. But you look at that rest of that SC West, and it's pretty dominant. Like right now, it's going. I don't know if it's going to be as good as it was a couple years ago, where I think an SEC West team that lose to anybody else other than an SEC West team until like late in the season. I don't know if they're that type of good, but there's some really good teams. A and M and like I said, LSU, Mississippi State, Alabama. Uh, oh, it's just a very uh, loaded side of comfort. So it's not going to be a cakewalk. And they put a lot of those things back to back to go along with Florida and Kentucky, who upset Florida. And that Florida game is, regardless of how good Florida is at that time, it's going to be a very emotional game. So it can go one of, one way or the other. Either they can come in and play great, or they can play horrible because they're so charged up, along with the fan base to be damn moving. So, yeah. uh, Mississippi State stacks up, but it won't be easy, uh, especially right now. I have a lot of concerns about Nick Fitzgerald and his accuracy. Well, Mississippi State and the Florida Gators face off on September 29th in a game played in Starkville. Again, MSU's had a history of beating the Gators in Starkville, and that'll be a, a great game there. And sadly, these two teams don't play now, but like once every nine years. How crazy is that? where they'll yes. be facing off in Starkville. Before that, though, we can't overlook Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats are hosting Mississippi State, not this weekend, but next weekend at Kroger Field. How about the Big Blue Nation, Jeremiah? I don't know. As a team, I ain't just sitting there a lot like I've studied them a lot. But at the same time, you got to look at what they're doing. They beat Florida. So you shows the mentality change. But they've been getting a lot of talent year after year after year. Mark Stoop has brought a lot to that program. Have a really good running back in Benny Snell Jr. Just sitting here looking at the stats now. They have three running backs that have 100 yards right now. And really? then, you know, having a solid quarterback, they have something to work with. Um, this is where maybe I'll sound a little arrogant. It's typically a chalk win for Mississippi State, but I think it's one of those type of – I think the problem with that type of game is it right, it's right before Florida. So it's the type of game where I, I can really see State coming in and kind of like overlooking the game. Yeah. Now, hopefully Morehead has to prepare it. But the fact that Mullen is the next next week, I mean, one of my friends even called the Florida game pretty much Mississippi State's homecoming. It right. might as well be homecoming. That's what it really is because everybody's talking about going home for the game. I'm even talking about going home for the game. Everybody wants to be there. I don't care if you're in the stadium because everybody wants to be there to see Mullen get beat. Are you mad at we, Mullen? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are upset about the way he left, but I really don't care. Like, uh, like I was telling someone else this weekend, I was like, how many times do coaches leave and it's like not kind of weird? Uh, I, I, I think he always wanted to be back in Florida. He finally got the opportunity. Scott Strickland is the athletic director. I think that had a lot to do with it because uh, it does seem like some of the opportunities were there before, but they never reached out in that way. Uh, I think he always wanted to be back there and he had a chance to go back to Florida. Now, I do. I question it, but look at the team that he left us. I mean, we had two previous coaches. Uh, Jackie Sherrill, the program was in shambles uh, as far as, and that's probably not the most popular statements among MSU fans. And, and Coach Kroon, the talent that Mullen was, you know, uh, the, what the programs were left at when those guys left. And now you're talking about Joe Moorhead comes in and he has a potential national championship contender. Mullen recruited these players. Mr. Um, State fans, I want to hear that. He, well, I, don't, I don't consider him the best recruiter, but he recruited these players, and he developed these players. So he recruited this Fitzgerald when the guy only played quarterback one year and threw like two passes in high school. So people forget that. So you cannot discount what the man did. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the way he left, maybe it wasn't the best. And I think the real reason people are mad at him because we lost the whole Miss, and some people feel that he checked out, which he probably did. Uh, but he checked out, and we lost the old Miss. And I think that if he beat old Miss and left, I don't even think people would care. But really? in fact, he lost. He lost the old Miss at home. And a lot of people, a lot of fans feel that he checked out. And there's, there's a lot of people very upset with him over just in general how he left. But I think a lot of it stems from the fact that we lost the old Miss, and a lot of people feel that he checked out. Yeah. Well, so. that's there's probably some truth to that, and oddly enough, the Land Shark fans in Oxford feel the same way about Tommy Tuberville as he kind of checked out some 20 years earlier when he was coaching in Oxford, <laughs> and he said he wasn't going to leave; he was going to leave in a pine box, and instead he was going to Auburn, and he he kind of yeah. checked out on Egg Bowl weekend and flew off to Auburn, and the rest was history. But uh, Tuberville still has a very estranged relationship. When it comes to that part of Mississippi, we'll see what happens with Dan Mullen. I'm not so sure that one of these days they might name some kind of building or stadium after, oh, Dan, <laughs> after Dan Mullen. I mean, Jeremiah, he elevated the program to the heights. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, I'm for sure. But I'm just knowing how my, my, I would say my people operate. But it's just they, they, um, it, even when Mullen was the coach, they hold like a Jack and Cheryl that was much higher esteem than him, which I still don't get. But at the same time, like, I think when maybe when it's a year passed by, people will kind of like respect Mullen, but a little more. But it's just it's still a very bitter taste in some people's mouth. Well, what about, if, what like, if he lets? What if he's a sacrificial lamb at the end of September and lets Mississippi State walk all over his Florida Gators? Will that make people feel better about him now? I, I don't think he's gonna let that happen. I think <laughs> Mullen's gonna make sure he wins that game because I think the thing about it, I think it's an ego thing. There, you got that you're a better coach than the guy that they do have. You're saying that you left for a reason. If this is a national championship potential team with a Joe Moorhead, you got to prove that, hey, I went to Florida and I felt they had an opportunity to do that. Because what coach goes from a good team to a team that's worse? Unless it's like a – this situation was like going home. Some guys do end up – but most time it's still a lateral move. Yeah. Uh, so you went from a potential national championship contender to a team that's basically been average the last – since Urban Meyer left, average the last six, seven years. I mean – at the end of the day, you went to a middle of the road program from a potential, at least good to great program. So I, it logically don't make sense outside of the fact that they are Florida. Yeah, well, Florida, unfortunately for a lot of programs in college football, Florida is on an, on an echelon simply based on the size of the state, the size of the school, right. and they've had success. And you mentioned Scott Strinkland earlier. If you aren't familiar with Mississippi State's history, he was the athletic director in Starkville before taking over as AD in Gainesville, and he is a Mississippi State guy. I was a little surprised that he left Mississippi State to go to Florida. But again, as I just said, the University of Florida is on a different level than even Mm -hmm. other SEC programs. Now, I would say they're right there with Alabama on that same top level. They're in the penthouse. Everybody else has to really fight for it, including Mississippi State. Arkansas has to fight for it more. Of course, the Landshark, whatever they are, they have to fight and Vanderbilt's got a fight, but some some people are just blessed, and Florida is one of those programs. Now, Mississippi State also plays Arkansas this year, and that game, of course, as they play every year, is going to be in Starkville. What are your thoughts on their new coach and what they've got brewing in Fayetteville this year? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's just, they're kind of like one of those things. They're, they're, I think they're just okay. Um, I think they're one of those things, like, we get late in the year, it's, it's – uh, it's always been like a a trap type of game for us. Is Ole Miss is next, and it's always been a game that kind of it's very rarely we go up there and just beat them. So it won't be an easy game at all. 
but I think it's one of those years where I think we it, we should be able to go in there and kind of take care of business versus Arkansas because I just don't feel they match up very well against us. Um, when you're a straightforward team against a team like Mississippi State that has a dominant D line, you just can't beat them. Like I just don't think it's gonna happen unless they're overlooking you and looking forward to Ole Miss. But this is one of the years I'm not gonna be the person to say Ole Miss isn't our rival. But for the purpose of this year, I think Alabama is really our target, and I feel like Ole Miss is kind of like a. Even though y'all might have the potential to be very good this year, I think it's one. Of, I mean, y'all can't even make a bowl game. So, uh, I, I think it's one of those years where Mississippi State won't be looking forward to Ole Miss the same way they have in previous years. So, I think they're going there to take care of versus someone like Arkansas this year. Because, um, but I, I don't think they really stack up. Just to answer your question more uh, directly, I don't think they stack up very well against Mississippi State. Jeremiah, you need to check those maroon and white glasses. Have you forgotten two years ago what Mississippi State did when they went to Vault Hemingway Stadium? No, I have not forgotten. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. It's always a tough game. No, we'll it, it wasn't two years ago. Mississippi State won by 35 points, I think. Oh, well, yes. But, <laughs> now, yes, but now they, lost, they lost last year in Starkville, but two years ago, my goodness, they destroyed – Ole Miss in Oxford. So, yeah, that that this is a game that if Mississippi State's on a roll, I think they could do quite well in the Egg Bowl, which is going to be played on Thanksgiving night, November 22nd. Yeah. It's good to see uh, I'm that glad game. They, they I'm glad they're doing that. Like, I'm, it used to be, when I was a little younger, that used to be like a pretty big game being on Thanksgiving night. It used to always be on ESPN. That was always a very big game. And of course, I was living in Mississippi then and still in high school, but it, that was always a very big moment, Mississippi State versus Ole Miss and the bragging rights that came along with it. And it just fit the Egg Bowl trophy on Thanksgiving night. You were the only game. Yeah. Um, I, that was just a really big deal. So I'm glad that they're returning that to being, uh, uh, being uh, on Thursday nights. Jeremiah, what are your thoughts on the SEC East? Who's going to emerge from that and be in Atlanta at the end of November, early December? I honestly can't see anybody but Georgia. Like, I, I just I, 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 just don't. I just can't see anybody else that – I mean, it's, it's the weak side. It's the SEC least that some would like to call it. <laughs> but uh, Georgia, I just don't see anybody matching up with them in the SEC East. Like, you have Florida, you have Kentucky, Vanderbilt, you know, but none of those things – I don't even think they're close. I think it's so much of a separation. I just – I. I uh, just looking at team, maybe Tennessee, but they lost the game. Missouri's okay, like, I, but Georgia's I think is just a step above. They just are. Like I just don't see them. Um, they're not quite Alabama, but they're they're a step above. So I, I just uh, no, like I don't think any of those teams can compete with them. Yeah, well, I would like to dispute you on that, Jeremiah. But I tuned in and saw what Georgia did to the Gamecocks, a team that I thought <laughs> might could give them a little run for the money. And I'm going to quickly retreat with my sentiment and fully agree with you. You're absolutely right. Georgia is in the catbird seat, and I think we'll see them playing in Atlanta once again in early December. So SEC football, Mississippi State, they've got uh, something brewing perhaps. Again, this weekend (laughs) it's the Raging Cajuns, and then they get into SEC play on the road at Kroger Field against the Wildcats next weekend before they come back for the Florida Gators at the end of September. Jeremiah, before we let you go, anything else Mississippi State sports-wise we should know what's going on? First of all, a former Bulldog player with Dan Mullen has been a force for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he continues to be a force. even named a street after him in Yazoo City, Mississippi. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, I mean, I can't – I would say, like, it is a special time, I think, in MSU sports. Uh, I've told people I wish, like, I was a student at this time because it's, uh, I mean, we have a good women's basketball team. 
Uh, the boys team is finally back to at least being somewhat relevant again. And then we have a lot of great players. And that's another thing to Dan Mullen. I know some of the state fans probably don't want to hear that, but we have a lot of players at, at the NFL level right now doing some big things. Uh, I live in Houston, and you have Bernard McKinney. Uh, then you have, of course, you just said Fletcher Cox, Dak uh, Prescott back of America's team so and all those guys play for Dan Mullen so um, I, you know I'm very proud you know to say I'm pulled out right now with all the you know, great things going on especially with those guys in the NFL right now representing Mississippi State can't even forget a guy like Adair Slay either he's doing big things too yep again that, that guy from Yazoo City not Jerry Clower but Fletcher Cox <laughs> by the way Jerry Clower a former Mississippi State football player wow shoot that thing you know who Jerry Clower was don't you uh, no, I don't. <laughs> he, he's a, a he's before my time, I think. Well, he was a comedian, and you got to you got to listen to his stories about going coon hunting. You ever been out in the woods coon hunting, Jeremiah? No, I've never actually been hunting before in my life. So, <laughs> so, so and you're from Mississippi? I, I, never, I, I always wanted to go. I just never went. I just I don't know. I just never went hunting. Maybe one of these days I do it just as something. To well, do. coon hunting I, is, is easy to do because all you got to do is have a good dog that barks. You don't have to go running out there. You don't have to go out the crack of dawn like you do when you go bird hunting, uh, duck hunting. You know, that's a big thing in Mississippi to go duck hunting. But my goodness, you got to wake up at like three in the morning and go sit in a cold, <laughs> cold seat in a in a blind somewhere. Deer hunting is even kind of a challenge. But coon hunting, you just go after the sun goes down and you let the dog get on that trail, and boy, it's it's kind of fun. To be honest with you, and it's kind of it's kind of something you can do and not get too winded which is always important. But uh, Jerry, Jerry Clower, you need to Google him sometime. And he, 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 I think I'll do that. I Google a lot of things. So I'll make sure I do that. And he was from Mississippi State. He, he, he played there after World War II. And, and honestly, in the listing of great Mississippi State football players, I'm not sure Jerry Clower is not on that list of maybe your top ten players of all time because he really was good. And then he turned into being a country comedian and all that. But I had a chance to meet him. I, I actually have a great audio recording of him talking about me that I got before he died 20 years ago. But uh, anyway, Jeremiah, thank you, sir. And Thanks, man. Uh, we appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you coming on and talking a little Mississippi State. And we're going to go get some cowbells right now and salute Mississippi <laughs> State University. All right, man. Um, it was great being on here. Maybe we can have another time, maybe um, before we um, beat those rebels in well, a few months. Well, I tell you what, Jeremiah, y'all go. Mississippi State go, let's say, 15-0 this year. <laughs> and we'll be sure to make a, a time to have you back on the show. How's that sound? 15-0. Even I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh, we'll come see. on. You're, you're, the, you're the Mississippi State guy, Jeremiah. We hey, appreciate I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that type of homie. I'm, I'm waiting for the prediction. 15-0. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I'll say my prediction for this year. I think uh, right now I'll probably say ten and two, but I think there's definitely a possibility of being on like eleven and one. I, I just even I've never been a person that can pick us to beat Alabama until we do it. And that's when it'll happen. Well, by the way, where is that game this year? Is it in Starkville or Tuscaloosa? I think it is in Starkville, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is in Starkville. All right, so you got You're saying there's a chance, and Jeremiah, there's a chance. Mississippi State, <laughs> fifteen and zero, Hale State. I'm telling you. We're calling it right here. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you uh, real soon. We'll, we won't wait till they're 15 and 0. We'll get you on here before that. How about that? All right, yeah, that'll definitely be fun. All right, Jeremiah Short. Well, that will wrap up today's Y'all Show. We had a good time talking MSU with Jeremiah, and we always enjoy talking SEC sports here on Thursdays and more. Want to remind you, more football talk coming on Friday. We'll have General Gridiron, our prediction of what's going on on the games that actually will be played this weekend with so many cancellations because of Hurricane Florence. 
We'll have an update on the hurricane on Friday's show and much, much more. We thank you for listening to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kids stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick. Miss Lydia. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.